752, the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, commencing at verse 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <coughs> the second reading can be found on page 1180 in the Church Bible, page 1180. <coughs> Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many lives as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, and a very happy new year to you all. I don't know when you can stop saying that, but I think we're still allowed to. Uh, for those of you who may be new or visiting, my name is Jitesh, I'm the associate vicar here. It's my great privilege to be preaching for the very first time in 2018 here at St. Jude's. 
And as often is the case at the beginning of a new year, we, we as a church seek to gather together and to look ahead to what God might have in store for us over the coming year. And Mike's going to be especially doing that next Sunday with our theme verse Sunday. So do come for that, where Michael will be explaining where he senses God is leading us, especially as a community. This morning, however, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got the privilege of almost giving a trailer for that, uh, as in a sense setting the scene and setting our vision towards what God might be saying. And we're going to be looking especially at this Philippians passage that we just had read out. Thanks for that. And uh, please do have that open in front of you if you can. That's page 1180. And I'm going to be concentrating on just one verse in particular, Philippians 3 verse 20, where Paul writes this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, before we dig in, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for the coming year. Thank you for all the good things in store for it. And thank you that that all comes from you. And we pray for your blessing upon us now as we consider your word, that we might hear your voice and that we might be transformed by it. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, I want to begin with a story that I came across recently, and it's a, a bit of an unusual story about monkey catching. And bear with it, there's a reason why I'm sharing it. Uh, I found out recently that native hunters in Africa for a long time have used a very clever way of trapping and ensnaring monkeys. They, what they do is they get a coconut and they slice it in two halves, hollow it out, and in one half of the shell, they cut a hole that's just big enough for a monkey's hand to get through. In the other half of the coconut, they put an orange, and then they sew the coconut back together. They then tie this hollowed out coconut with a hole and an orange, onto a tree and retreat, and they wait for monkeys to turn up. And sooner or later, a monkey turns up, and guess what it does? It smells the scent of the orange. It sees this orange thing inside of the coconut and puts its hand through the hole and grabs onto the orange. But it can't get its hand out while it's still holding that orange. And what happens, fascinatingly, is that the monkey refuses to let go of the orange and ends up stuck there. And, sadly, guess what happens? The hunters come along, throw a net over the monkey, and they have their monkey for the day. All because that monkey refused to let go of the orange, gripping onto it so tightly. A bit of a sad story, especially if you like monkeys. But I wanted to tell that because it's precisely what's going on in the first half of our reading in one sense. Paul describes a group of people that have been so intent on getting something, gripping onto it so tightly that it's led to their demise, when all along they could have let go of it and have been saved. Verses 18 and 19 of Philippians 3, he says this, For as I have often told you before, and now say even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. 
Paul warns about a group that have gone off the reservation in the Christian life because they've been obsessed and become obsessed by food and the next good meal. Their God is their belly, he says. Gluttons who've been gripped onto a very physical desire and refusing to let go of it. This isn't to condemn anyone here who's uh, perhaps overindulged over the Christmas period, by the way, as I say that. But ultimately, of course, this is a form of idolatry, of idol worship. The idol, of course, being food here, which became their god. The Roman feasts and the great episodes of weeks of gluttony that were in front of them, they have just obsessed by them, worshipping it. Worshipping the food rather than the giver of the food. And responding to this, we might say, oh, that's okay. I'm not in danger of doing the same thing, no matter how much I've eaten over the last couple of weeks. I like food, but I'm not obsessed by it. I'm not a glutton. But Paul really importantly diagnoses the root condition behind what happened. Verse 19, it says, their mind is set on earthly things. That's what caused them to grip onto this thing so tightly that they would not let go. Their mind is set on earthly things. I want to suggest that's a bit more of a serious problem. Uh, That's one that any one of us could fall prey to. A mind set on earthly things. The Christian author Brennan Manning puts it like this. I can be addicted to vodka or to being knights to marijuana or to being loved, to cocaine or being right to gambling or relationships to golf or gossiping. Perhaps my addiction is food, performance, money, popularity, power, revenge, reading, television, tobacco, weight or winning. When we give anything more priority than that which we give to God, we commit idolatry. Thus we all commit idolatry countless times every day. It's the danger that actually every single one of us, including myself, face and mind set on earthly things, gripping onto them so tightly and refusing to let go of them. But in our verse that I want to especially highlight this morning, Paul gives us the solution to this problem that safeguards us and rescues us. Verse 20 goes on to say, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The remedy to this, to all these things that surround us in life that could so easily ensnare us and get us obsessed by them, is to realise that our citizenship is in heaven. And why is that? Well, let me suggest, if this earth, looking around you, was all that there is, well, actually, there'll be no reason not to set your mind on earthly things. Because that is all that there is. There's no reason not to become possessed by them. It'd be very logical to do so, in fact. But if there is another place and space that exists where we ultimately will be, and that we're called to, and that we already are partakers in, well, that changes everything. Paul says to the Philippians, and through them to us, that as Christians... We belong to another place. That this earth is just a temporary reality. Our true and permanent home is somewhere else. We're citizens of heaven. 
And when I talk about heaven here, I don't mean the imaginary place of uh, angels with wings plucking harps all day long, dressed in white. It's a very real, substantial place that we heard described in the Isaiah passage, the place where Jesus reigns as Lord and King, where he came from and returned to, the place where we're going to be with him as well, a place of new creation, a place of flourishing physical life, a place that's going to be like this earth, but even better on every level, a place that we're going to dwell in for all eternity. We might have homes here for 80 or 90, or some of us might be blessed with over 100 years. But that's it. Our citizenship in heaven will be forever. And we're to meant, according to the Bible, to realise that now, that we're citizens of that place already. Which means that when you look around at the things there, you realise that actually, I don't belong ultimately to this stuff. None of this stuff ultimately belongs to me. That this is transient, that this is temporary, that I belong to another place. And having that perspective on these things allows one to loosen one's grip on the things of this earth. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 2.11 to the first Christian says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. He says that they con- consider themselves as strangers in this world. That this world is a strange place, that's an alien place that actually we don't really belong to. That we belong somewhere else. And we're just passing through. Just passing through, not to get ensnared with stuff here. We're just passing through. Many of you will know that I tend to enjoy the odd spot of travel in my spare time. And um, I've, I've had the great privilege over the years of going to some amazing places on some amazing deals and experiencing the most wonderful cultures. But I've always found, no matter where I've been in the world, after a certain amount of time, I begin to feel a certain sense of dis-ease about being there. It just doesn't quite fit. I don't feel like I belong there. I don't quite understand the American obsession with baseball, for example. I can't quite understand the German predilection towards sausages, nor the Italians' obsession with not driving in straight lines. I just don't quite understand it. The culture's priorities don't quite fit in. And it's fascinating that every time I take the plane back and land in rainy Heathrow Terminal 5 and walk through the entrance gates into the terminal building, I suddenly feel, oh, I'm home and suddenly feel much more comfortable, I'm home. Ultimately, for each and every one of us walking the face of this planet, whatever country we might come from, we're in a similar situation. We belong somewhere else. And we're to look at the priorities and the obsessions of others with a sense of disease and discomfort. That just doesn't fit, it's not quite right. It's not where I'm from. I belong somewhere else. The American pastor, Rick Rowan, writes this. You will not be in heaven two seconds 
before you cry out, why did I place so much importance on things that were so temporary? What was I thinking? Why did I waste so much time, energy and concern on what wasn't going to last? Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't the idea of being too heavily minded to be of no earthly good. Or to say that actually the things of the earth are of no value at all. Immense value. Jesus died for them. He died for the people on this earth. But it's to have another perspective on these things, that these aren't ultimate things. To put them in their proper place, that actually ultimately there is another place that we belong to place that will be forever. Brother Yun, many of you know, is the uh, former leader of an underground church network in China, the persecuted church, who as a teenager and as a young man saw countless thousands actually come to follow Christ through severe persecution and repeated beatings by government authorities. And he later, having been exiled from China, penned a best-selling book called The Heavenly Man. Has anyone read it here? Well worth a read. And it tells of the most amazing things that God did in those early years of his life. But when it first came out, people were taken aback and thought, why is he called it The Heavenly Man? That's a bit full of yourself and arrogant to call yourself The Heavenly Man. But fascinating, the story emerged, which wasn't in the book, but he had to explain that as a young Christian, when he'd been arrested by communist authorities, he'd been severely beaten up, and they tried to extract from him both his true name and his true address so that they could go and arrest his neighbours and all, all the other people in that town. And he refused to, and the beatings got worse and worse and worse, until at one point he shouted out as loud as he could, I am a heavenly man, my home is in heaven. And he shouted so, so loud that actually all the village heard that was nearby and knew to flee from the oncoming persecution. And we gained that nickname, the heavenly man, because when push came to shove, that's what rose up outside, out of him that he didn't belong to this place, that he belonged somewhere completely different, that whatever they put him through, whatever trials, whatever torture, that actually these things he was passing through to another place, to a place where he would be forever, enabled him to just have that right perspective and to persevere through the most awful times. And I wonder for us in the year ahead what times, what trials might come before us, what things that might tempt us to become obsessed by them might lie right in front of us. There no doubt be many. And my encouragement would be that actually to have another perspective on these things. That yes, they can be important. Yes, they can be tough as you go through them. But ultimately, we don't belong to this stuff. There is another place. We're citizens of heaven. And may that change how we deal with them this year. Let me pray for us. 
Well, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise of heaven. Thank you so much that while we travail here on earth, that that is our true destination and that we are citizens of that place already. Please help us to have that right perspective on the things of earth, that we would neither become obsessed nor would we be overwhelmed by things in the year ahead. We pray and ask that you'd give us divine perspective to walk fully according to the place that we belong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.